it was like going from the Jetsons to the Flintstones. Only less than 50% of the staff had a computer on their desk. And those what year was it? Comput- uh, 1999. Hi, it's Zach from Boston Speaks Up. That is the voice of Barbara Fortier. She is the CEO of Girl Scouts of Eastern Massachusetts. She's my first guest of 2024. We had a lovely conversation, and I'm looking forward to sharing it with the community. So let's get right to it. Thanks. Enjoy. Zach's your video here from Boston Speaks Up, and I'm here with Barbara Fortier, the CEO of Girl Scouts of Eastern Massachusetts. I don't know, for some reason, I want to put more emphasis on something there, but it's just Fortier. Uh, Barbara Fortier, um, she's, she'll be 40 forever. And uh, Barbara, great to have you here on Boston Speaks Up. Um, you're the CEO of uh, Girl Scouts of, of Eastern Massachusetts, and would love to just ground listeners in what what you're doing in that role um, at Girl Scouts of Eastern Mass, and then we can kind of, you know, go on a conversation journey from there. Uh, well, thanks, Zach. Thrilled to be here. I always love talking about Girl Scouts, so this is easy. Um, I've been the CEO for three years. Prior to that, for almost 20 years, I was the COO. And a CEO left, and I volunteered to help out short-term, and boom, that became a permanent thing. Uh, some of the things that we are doing, we number one, our number one goal for the last three years was to survive the impact of COVID. And I'm happy to say that we have come out of uh, what I would call the more intense period of COVID in really great shape. We're the largest girl-serving organization in Eastern Mass. We are the 10th largest Girl Scout organization in the country. So um, there's a lot going on. We serve 20,000 girls. We have 11,500 volunteers who help us administer Girl Scouting at the local level. And some of the exciting things we're doing now, uh, we've really ramped up our mental health programming as a result of COVID. Not specifically COVID, but we had been looking into mental health issues for a number of years. And it's very hard to give girls uh, Girl Scout leadership experience, which is our forte, when they're dealing with uh, mental illness. So we were really excited to have a pretty great portfolio of programming, training for our volunteers and our staff, and other things that help support and prop up girls as they go through our experience. Great. That's super, that's really good sort of overview. And yeah, you've, you've been, um, and, and I was going through sort of, we went through a bit of a pre-podcast questionnaire together and uh, it sounds like, let's talk a little, I, I want to get into the journey that you had where like you initially started out sort of as a, as a, as a, as a board member and sort of like, and, and then sort of a, a volunteer and then kind of evolved into information technology and then COO and then CEO, um, but taking a big, even bigger step back um and sort of i would love to just like where where'd you, you you grew up in massachusetts so where where did you grow up and and sort of uh, curious how your your childhood sort of um and the environment you grew up in like you know helped uh set you up to to be in a in a position to sort of instill all these um sort of or provide all these opportunities to to young girls in the commonwealth yeah i grew up in massachusetts in Tewksbury. that's just outside of lowell now Probably people know Lowell more than they might know Tuxbury. And I had an extraordinary childhood. My parents were very committed to our well-being. I have a brother and a sister. 
and they sacrificed a lot in their lives to support us and to provide everything that we needed to um, to follow our dreams. Uh, my dad was a blue collar worker. My mom, although he owned his own business, a construction business, for many many years, and my mom was a stay at home mom. We had a really happy childhood. The neighbors and friends called us the Richie Cunningham family from the Happy Days show. I'm sure half of your your listeners probably don't remember that, but there was just no drama, and there was a lot yeah. of love. And our house was the place that people hung out. My parents loved entertaining or hosting our friends. So it was just really idyllic, um, and it was wonderful. I learned a lot from my parents. My parents were my first mentors. They worked really hard at what they did, and they were very committed. Um, they also taught me a lot about respect. My dad, my mom used to invite the mailman or the milkman. We had a milkman, delivered milk, mm-hmm. have a cup of coffee. Uh, they really respected people sort of over the whole spectrum and taught that to us. Be mindful of how we treat other people in our universe. That's beautiful. Um, you just reminded me of something I saw like on the, I'm sure I was scrolling Instagram and saw this, but it was like, this is how we used to know where all the neighborhood kids were. And it was a picture of a front yard and it was just a bunch of bikes. <laughs> um, so I imagine that's what your house was like. It's like, oh, yeah, everyone, there, yeah. there, there, there they are, they're all at the fort of your house. <laughs> we, had a big, we had a big backyard and we had the front yard to the backyard slope. So it was sledding in the winter. It was volleyball, oh. uh, softball yeah. uh, in the summer. And we did ride our bikes. We were restricted to riding on our own little street. So there wasn't much excitement yeah. there. But yeah, it was just it, cool. TV tag, uh, what do you call it? Red Rover, Red Rover, yeah. uh, dodgeball, the whole, the, whole, the whole picture. Sounds like you either probably hosted some good summer cookouts. Well, yeah. well, my my parents owned <laughs> the largest house of all the other. My gr- father had a lot of brothers and sisters who lived local. Yeah. So, by natural selection, uh, most of yeah. those type of celebrations were at our place. That's so cool. Um, well, I think it's it's rather clear how your um, how your parents help shape you. And I, we were chatting before, like you were. I I, I keep some of the pictures up of my uh, my oldest daughter. Hello, in the pictures behind me, she's. She's the age of my youngest daughter, um, and yeah, it's it's important to instill in uh, in our children just the importance of kindness and being nice. Uh, I literally had a conversation about this this morning with my daughter, just like reiterating to her like how you know she's in first grade and she was talking about like some dynamics at school, and I was like, yeah, just remember, just you be nice to everyone, and 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 you know people look at you like a leader, and then other people, uh, you know, maybe not everyone's going to follow, but it's going to have an effect. Um, and it is kind of that simple. And, and I remember kind of rolling my eyes when I graduated from Boston University because they handed me a book with a smiley face on it. And, <laughs> the book, and it's called The Power of Nice. And I was like, I got a lot of student loans to pay back. I don't know if nice is going to pay those loans back. <laughs> and you know what? Like if you've ever read like The Secret, which I've also read and like just, you know, it, what, go, what goes around comes around. It was just yeah. all these really good anecdotes about people just being good, nice people in their life uh, and how over time it, it just so happens it, it can benefit you in business or in a profession, in a career. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's it, those those simple cliches kind of exist, I guess, for a reason, um, it's because oftentimes they're true, right? Um, so, yeah, I don't know if, if you want to expand on that yeah, I, any anymore. Yeah. I can't tell you the number of times where I'm in a meeting or in a group and I say something, I'm like, 
oh my gosh, I've just channeled my mother. Or, oh my gosh, I've just channeled my father. And I remember being a young adult when I graduated college. I, my mother said to me one day, you are the carbon copy of your father. I'm like, I am not the carbon copy of my father. And, you know, to this day, it warms, it actually warms my heart to know yeah. that those lessons that they taught us are just time timeless. They're all yeah. relevant. So. Absolutely. Cool. That's a really, yeah, it's a really cool way to, um, do, yeah, do them, do them proud. Um, so talk about the journey from that idyllic childhood in Tewksbury, which I'm familiar with, Methuen, how you doing? Merrimack Valley in the house here. Uh, <laughs> t- talk to me a little bit about what your prospects were, you know, as a, you know, 17, 18, 19 year old, sort of like, as you were looking at what are you going to do in life? And, and, and it seems like you had a, a pretty successful initial career in the private sector um, mm-hmm. that maybe afforded you some ability to sort of reflect and, and, and sort of eventually make your way to, to Girl Scouts. Um, so talk a little bit about that journey. Sure. Um, I went to school actually for to be a psychology major. Um, and by the way, so helpful. Um, yeah. A lot of the content from that. And then accidentally, I needed a job. Uh, envisioned going to graduate school right out of uh, the undergrad program. And my sister worked at a company called Wang. And again, that was a big deal in the Merrimack Valley. It's, it's unfortunately no longer there. And I said, boy, I need a job for the summer to save some money so I can go to school. And I ended up in the telecommunications department. I didn't know that. Well, she said, there's telecommunications or data data processing. I'm like, oh, that sounds terrible. Telecommunications sounds more fun. Yeah, all right. (laughs) And it was just about the time of the divestiture of Baby Bell. And it was Mm -hmm. really an exciting time. So, you know, I pushed off school a year. I pushed off school a year. And I spent 10 years at Wayne. And and Mm. really, that was where I got groomed in terms of uh, flipping from being an individual contributor to a manager. Um, So I had uh, several other jobs in the for-profit sector, culminating with a stint at a web hosting company, which was a blast. It was a startup company. And it actually went, it was uh, called Navisite. It was part of a conglomerate Mm. called CMGI, uh, which was a large um, company based out of Andover. And um, it was exciting. Uh, And after the company went public, as does happen, uh, the board was looking for changes in leadership. So I got an opportunity to exit uh, that environment after the going public event. So that did two things. It gave me the opportunity, and I wasn't necessarily fretting about money every night. And I got a call from a friend. I decided I was going to take a couple of years off and explore other things and said, hey, the board of directors of what was called Patriots Trail Girl Scout Council at the time are looking for members. I thought, that would be really cool. I never got to be a Girl Scout as a, as a youth. And I, I have always thought highly of the organization. So I started with the board. And very quickly, um, they knew I was not employed at the time, wanted to know if I would come in and do some IT consulting. So that was, I did. I was happy to help out pro bono. And one day I was giving a presentation on a business process that I had mapped out for them. And the executive director and the assistant executive director said, you ought to work here. Mm. And I went home and I went, oh my gosh, they need so much. They can't pay you. They can't do this. They can't do that. Sure. That sounds fun. And uh, so I joined as a um, information, uh, the chief information officer. 
and very quickly learned the difference in my web hosting experience was there was no limit to the amount of money that I had available to solve problems or to implement new services. That was diametrically opposed in the nonprofit environment. So I had to get, I had to tap into some creative genes that I had hoped were there um, and do that. And I thought, well, this will be a blast for a couple of years. And uh, here we are 23 years later. Um, I just became enamored and completely invested in the mission of Girl Scouts and what they and currently strive to do for youth uh, girl. That's, that's, that's amazing. Um, I have like a, I have like a lot of, like, I have some questions kind of coming off of that. So um, it's interesting, like what, what, what time period are we talking about? Cause it's like, I'm, I'm interested a little bit in like the information technology role mm-hmm. at that. Like, it sounds like it was definitely prepared. Like you were definitely like one step toward the COO role. Cause you were in my, you know, just if I could take a leap here, it seems that you were like in a position to be sort of like someone who who had worked in like a, a, a sound sort of like progressing operational operation. And you were coming in to sort of like, advance and modernize and kind of you know future proof if you will like and 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 start to kind of digitize like mm-hmm. the um the, the the operation like i, I just like i'm curious i'm curious and that to me seems as it you know as as these as these um you know, these moments happen in time like when uh when tablets and and and, and smartphones became um you know, big in the, in the mid to late 2000, uh, 2000s, right. Then yeah. there was like all these companies and, and tools and then like individual like consultants or it professionals that were like helping companies sort of like make their mobile web, you know, it's like, they're like helping the, uh, a comp- uh, helping an organization show up in the world in the right way. Um, but speak a little bit more to like that, that role. Cause I think it's, it was in whoever, whomever, and which maybe it was multiple people that kind of had the foresight to sort of identify like, Oh, we need someone like Barber in here to help with this. Um, is probably wise, but as you said, there was a lot to do. So I'm kind of curious a little bit to unpack a little bit more and like what the lot to do was and, and how much that really did just set you up as like, you know, essentially, you know, your next role, which was COO. Sure. The, um, the, I'll liken it. My analogy was, it was like going from the Jetsons to the Flintstones. Um, only less than 50% of the staff had a computer on their desk. And those what that year had was it? Com- uh, 1999. And those that had computers on their desks, those were computers that had been donated. And everyone back then was always attracted to the, they're free. And my mantra was, nothing is ever free. Um, most of the computers we had to assess whether they could withstand being upgraded significantly memory software um so it was really like trying to perform a daily miracle to make sure that people could get their jobs done um so the perspective and they had no clue about project management or process management change management none of those things that were just second common knowledge for me uh didn't exist so i in part had to educate and try to find creative ways to fund some of the uh, some of the work that we had to do. Um, the and the other thing is when I first got there, it was a little bit of a shock. I'd never worked in nonprofit before. Um, and it was a little bit of a shock to finally get, you know, I was pounding my head on the wall like, 
why don't these people understand? Like a woman who ran our cookie sale would be running around the hallway in November going, oh my God, the cookie sale is going to start. I'm like, don't you sort of do that all year long? Isn't like don't a plan yeah. cycle? They, that, that just was, as a matter of fact, they put her on doing other things. Um, yeah. So it was, it was figure some technology out, get some decent equipment, upgrade what we can, buy what, you know, get the board. And the board actually, I put a plan together and the board was very helpful in allocating some funding from there, from, you know, some unrestricted board funds. Mm -hmm. There was business process management and education up to union um, to get things going. And that took, you know, probably two or three years to get to a place where they appreciated that we have to invest in technology every year. We have to invest in training. We want folk to fully utilize the, the technology and or software capacities that we're putting in front of them. And, um, and at that point, uh, the then COO left and I put my hat in the ring for that and got that. And I was in a good position because I dealt with every human being in the, in the operation. Um, from a technology standpoint. So I understood their business. I understood the critical issues and roadblocks and obstacles that were present on a daily basis for folks to do their job. And, it, and, and I get kind of a secret little thrill when I go into our offices now and everyone's got, number one, we're, uh, we didn't require that people come back to the office. So we had a lot mm -hmm. of people that were already remote. So they've got Remote, our last um, investment was we have moved away from a standalone hard piece of hardware to process our phone calls, and everyone has cell phones. And we're using mm -hmm. Zoom, actually, the telephone mm -hmm. service of Zoom. So mm -hmm. there's been, uh, if I look back over the 23 years, there's lots to be proud of, uh, not yeah. only for myself, but obviously for the team that embraced the management team and then the staff embracing and wanting those changes. They wanted their jobs to be not easier but more efficient they want to right. be able to do more so it's been a ride <laughs> that's cool and i want to talk about the part of the ride that um you know everyone can relate to because we all experienced it the whole world did um but but it was sort of the uh, i'm sure a catalyzing event for for you and girl scouts of eastern massachusetts the pandemic right yeah. when covid hit and so it sounds like some of what you were just getting to like where you're at now we're like yeah some people are remote like i love what like aside from the fact that people's lives are lost like there's like being a silver linings guy um there's a lot of there's some good there's good things that came from from the pandemic in particular um an appropriate level of flexibility for the businesses that for businesses that could pragmatically afford it to people um you know, in particular women, I think, you know, um, but, but parents who like want to be more, um, in their, um, children's lives. I think I'm in a household where like, we, you know, we don't, we want to be equals. We want to be equitable. And, you know, just because at, at a point in time, like maybe my wife's on a maternity, a longer maternity leave, like, you know, and ha has been with like our, our baby right now. Like, um, I want her to go back to the Northeast animal shelter where she works. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I think the the ability for me to work from home and be able to do school pickups and coach and stuff is just it's amazing. Now, granted, I, I run my own business, but but I, there's a lot of places I could work and still have that same time. And I, but I couldn't have five years ago. Um, it, not as not as much as now. When the so when the pandemic happened, 
because I'm, I'm curious to graduate up to to like just current challenges and things you're navigating today. But let's sure. talk about like 2020 and 2020, 2021 and like how that sort of maybe put you back in that position. Because for me, like I'm just get I'm hypothesizing here. Maybe there's some analogies to like what you were experiencing in 99, 2000 <laughs> when you came <laughs> in and you were like, wow, less than half the people have computers. Well, what do you do? You know, what did you do in 2020 when the world shut down? But young girls needed their support from their community and from Girl Scouts as much as as ever, and perhaps more than ever. And then perhaps that was even a catalyzing event for realizing how much mental health was an issue to more proactively tackle. But I'm just curious, like, how did you know talk through like sort of the process of navigating the pandemic, like in the role that you were in, which you know, you were still in COO role, but you were, you know, I think shortly, you know, in that process, I can, it sort of led to you becoming the C, you know, in a room and then eventually the, the, the CEO. Right. Well, <clears throat> we had, I think the state said that we were shutting everybody down on March 17th of 21. Yeah. And we already had roughly three quarters of our staff armed with laptops. Uh, most had cell phones right, required to do their job. So our uh, director of IT performed a miracle and spun up another 17, fortunately we've had them, spun up another 17 laptops to completely mobilize uh, the staff. So that was one piece of it. Get everyone ready yep. because for a week or so, that's how naive we were, <laughs> for a week or so, we're going to be working from home. Um, the second piece of it was far more uh, revolutionary. We have been talking about putting our um, all of our programmatic content, digitizing it and making it available online. We mm -hmm. had a little bit here and there, but we just never had, you know, quote unquote, time to do that. Our sure. programming department mobilized and put our entire catalog of programming online in roughly two weeks. Uh, and that's about the time when we discovered and we're sort of, this seems like it's going to be a longer, longer investment. So yeah. between the dedication and commitment of our information technology resources to get everyone ready to go home and the dedication of our staff, their willingness to figure out ways to work at home, we had situations where some staff didn't actually have space in their residence to have yeah. desks and like that. So we tried to work with the staff members to provide them what they needed to make a reasonably comfortable situation at home. We mm -hmm. said, okay, schedules, you've got the kids, you've got this, you've got that, like completely flex your hours, which was really important. And we've got a lot of positive feedback from folks who had other obligations, whether it be children, elderly, elder care for parents, whatever the situation was, it worked really well because there were a lot of people who otherwise, without that flexibility, would have had to take leave of absence or, or leave the organization. Um, we did have, we did have some of our younger staff, they were scared. Everyone was scared. And we had some attrition because I'm, I'm going to go back to mom and dad in Ohio. Uh, yeah. you know, we had some out of, we had some young people who had through the college experience landed in the Boston area and, you know, we were fortunate to have them work, but you know, you, and you can't, you, you have to support that. You have to support yeah. what they needed to do to take care of their, their, family or their life or themselves um about nine months into that 
I became the interim CEO. Our CEO mm -hmm. left, and at the time, the board decided we need something steady. I had no idea at the time that they were planning on making it a permanent situation, but I volunteered. I was the second highest ranking and most importantly, more knowledgeable person uh, mm -hmm. to step into that. So, um, so I implemented a number of things. Again, my uh, focus in the beginning and probably through most of that was how do we take care of our employees so that they can do what they need to do. So we created something. I, I told you about Quiet Friday. Quiet Friday, mm -hmm. and it still exists. People really like it. Is no meetings, no phone calls, no email, and you just have the data project plan to get through, you know, work to get ready for the next week. Um, we also did a summer Friday program where we gave folks some valuable time off in the summer as, as really a thank you for everything, all the Herculean efforts that went into supporting the organization during the bulk of um, uh, the pandemic. It was a little weird because I'd always had these thoughts, well, why don't we do this and why don't we do that? And then all of a sudden one day it's like, oh, I guess I need to make those decisions. Yeah. Um, so the transition to CEO was a little, you know, I was not on solid ground for a little bit and then woke up one day saying, okay, I, I'm responsible and I need to, you know, continue to, to do things that are going to help the organization. And we had, um, you know, we lost 30%, of, 29% of our membership uh, families mm. who are just making different decisions. Uh, mm -hmm. But by the same token, we maintained 71% of our membership, and we did that yeah. by offering online content. Uh, some of our, a lot of our volunteers were so great. They would have, you know, if the weather permitted, meetings in the backyard, you know, yeah. outdoor venues and stuff like that. So it was really a, it was a unique yeah. time, and a lot of that carries into today. Yeah, and were you doing like virtual things Everything. too like where some of those volunteers like we're doing like hey like tune in like we're doing a live chat with someone like maybe folks that i don't know, maybe someone who's you know works with reptiles and they're gonna do a special yeah. i'm just i'm riffing here but like is there was there a lot of like you became like a virtual programmer a hundred percent of what we were doing had to be done virtually and we also yeah. we have large uh, a large number of zoom accounts so we made some of our Zoom accounts available to our volunteers so they didn't have the Great. burden of purchasing their own Zoom account. Um, yeah. And we had our we had our Zoom expert um, do a tab tabulation in that first year of how many minutes we spent on Zoom. It was north of 2 million minutes. So we lived, breathed, and died by the <laughs> fact that we were able to have that capacity. And wow. it felt, in some respects, except for feeling disconnected from Either you were our work teams, our, mm -hmm. our staff got together in the dead of winter in their winter coats outside in someone's backyard so they could have face to face experiences. But 90 percent, 90 to 95 percent of what we did was all virtual. And, and we still continue to do a lot of that today. It helped us reach people. You know, by the time you drive to one of our locations or somewhere where a program's being held and then have to drive home, really, that's a four or five hour commitment. If you have mm -hmm. an hour and a half session similar to this session, yeah. then yeah. offer it on Zoom, and it really allowed our constituency to continue to connect to the Girl Scouts, and it was important. Yeah, I mean, it, the word accessibility comes to mind. Like in general, like virtual, like it, it it creates more accessibility. So so fast forward now to today, like would you say like it, 
and I'm curious what the percentage breakdowns might be. So it sounds like you have a, you know, you have a hybrid offering, like you're, the world is, you know, the world is as normal as the world's going to be right now. Um, but it's normal ish. And, 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 um, and so therefore, like you've, we've returned back to these IRL, you know, these in real life kind of, you know, situations, but how much are you, how much is sort of like, is is girl scouts of eastern massachusetts kind of like a bigger bad hybrid version of itself now where it's sort of like and how much is virtual programming sort of like flanking complementing a lot of the um you know real world programming and camps and things that you do yeah the um the virtual world for our constituency is still alive and well and what we do is when we have programs that were targeted towards smaller groups we typically, that's a more cost-effective, more time-effective way to do that. So we're still doing that. When we have large gatherings, being in person, is and, and we actually didn't do a lot of those large gatherings um, because it's hard to have two, three, four hundred people on a Zoom call and capture their attention and, and do some of right. what we need to do. So I would say that we probably still are operating most of that 60% uh, virtually, mm-hmm. and then where it just plain old makes sense to get everyone back together, and and our constituency wanted some touch points, uh, and wanted to see people, and wanted to share. So it's a nice combination. Um, we're leveling off, and at some point, we're actually trying to move toward larger gatherings or larger programming because it's nice when you can get three, four hundred attendees, yeah. and you know, share some of our messaging, share some of our unique program offerings, our new program offerings. Easier to do that in sort of larger groups. It, it, it has staying power that sometimes a smaller, you know, we used to like, well, they'll tell two people and they'll tell 12 people. So it, it's just yeah. hard to get consistency and it's hard to get our mess, our very important messages across. Yeah. So let, let's talk about some of those important messages and important programming. Like what, what's some of your sort of like, you know, premier go-to called however you would you know sort of define it. Like, what are the what's some of the key you know programs that and it, it's you know it's the beginning of 2024. Like yep. first part, it's a great first podcast of the year. Like, let's let's like you know we're talking to you know talking to um, talking to folks that you know maybe they're you know older sibling you know maybe they have younger siblings or or maybe they have kids um that they're you know considering getting involved in in the girl scouts um yeah what are some of those like what are some of the the programs they might be aware of that like that are really popular what are some of the new the new programs and then talk a little bit about like maybe some of those bigger sounds like like more ambitious larger um kind of events that you're that you're that you're alluding to sure well when we're talking to prospective parents or guardians about you know girl scouting as an option for their for their youth um People always think about Girl Scouting as crafts, cookies, camp. And those are just phenomenal aspects of what we do. But we've branched out one of our huge areas of expertise is is STEM, science, technology, science, technology, engineering, and math. So we have really established ourselves. We've worked with Raytheon and other really significant partners that have helped bring our level of knowledge and and our offering to new heights. So we do a lot of STEM programmatically can be done at the troop level. And then we've got, you know, larger scale events that come to, but we do two STEM conferences a year and Mm -hmm. attendance is somewhere in the range of a thousand girls for each of those sessions. 
Nice. Um, the other thing we do, we are, you know, we are known for camp, but what I, I think people may not know is our outdoor programming utilizing our 10 camps is second to none. So when outdoor, you say 10 and when you say 10 camps, so those like the physical locations you have, yeah. like, is that like Camp Rice Moody? Like I've been, like, I haven't like, yeah. is that an outdoor in, in Reading? Okay. Cause that's one that I've been to. Yeah. Got that's it. our, uh, yeah. Rice Moody, now that you've mentioned yeah. that, is our yeah. premier younger girl camp. And cool. girls usually kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade. Um, it's a small location, but for that age range, it suffices completely. When we changed that to yeah. have a focus on the younger girls, our yeah. over three years, I believe, our attendance ramped up 37%. It's a niche cool. and a need that people obviously saw. Um, yeah. But we have uh, three camps in New Hampshire, and the rest of the camps are in eastern Massachusetts. Cool. So outdoor programming is a huge part. We do um, high ropes, low ropes. Um, uh, sorry, I just lost my train of thought. But high ropes, low ropes. <laughs> no worries. Outdoor yeah. cooking, um, hatchet throwing, archery. Uh, those are all things that are done in the outside. We usually do them on our camp. We, we don't necessarily like to go to third-party locations because we want <clears throat> people to see and feel how grand and awesome our properties are. Then we have entrepreneurship. Our biggest entrepreneurship offering is obviously participation in our cookie program. Mm -hmm. uh, that is, we will probably generate something like $12 million in revenue from our cookie program. That's just mm -hmm. our council. The cookie program wow. nationwide is. I was going to ask. That's just wow. Yeah, sorry. What is it nationwide? Mass. And across wow. the nation, it is a nine hundred million dollar business. So wow. it's serious stuff. And two of uh, two or three of the Girl Scout cookies, I think Thin Mints and Caramel Delight, to name two, are in the top ten selling cookies in the United States. They're only sold roughly for three months, and they're sold by girls versus Oreos, Chips Ahoy, where you can go to. Anywhere, a gas station yeah. or a drugstore yeah. to buy those. So it's a really significant part. But girls learn a lot of skills, communications, money management, uh, business acumen. Um, those are skills that they learn. And I've witnessed it firsthand uh, with members of my own family, as well as with all the girls that I've uh, encountered. Um, so entrepreneurship is very key. And then life skills, just basic life skills which are skills I remember taking home at uh, or shop or really things in high school that were designed to give a student life skills. And this, those, mm -hmm. don't, those don't necessarily exist anymore. Um, yeah. So those four, those are the four pillars of what we call the umbrella of the Girl Scout leadership experience. And that's what is that's what we're in this game for. We are the preeminent player in that space. And but, we want every girl who wants to develop those skills uh, to have that opportunity. So when we're out talking to prospective parents and guardians, that's what we're talking about. We try to reinforce what we do that's traditional, tried and true, that people love about Girl Scouts and augment it with everything that we're doing that's well outside, like much more of our programming 
is focused in those four uh, pillars of our leadership experience than are perhaps some of the older, um, older, older programs that we used to offer. Sorry right. for that long-winded answer, yeah. but no, that's great. That's great. This is about <laughs> for, for keep bringing the passion, and and let's let's kind of double click on that what you alluded to in your own family. We covered this pre-podcast in the pre-podcast Q and A. Um, tell a story about your niece, Katie, and and sort of the arc that that she was on, and 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 what Girl Scouts has 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 meant to her. Yeah, Katie um, from Norwell was the even around family the most shy person I've ever met. Um, and when she had an opportunity, I guess one of her friends talked about Girl Scouts. So my, her mom called me and said, "What do you think?" I said astounding i've seen astounding things happen transformations happen with girls so she joined a troop and really had fun she made friends she was a little bit more outgoing and then wanted to go to camp and her mother was petrified at that i said mm-hmm. i'll tell you what i work at the waltham she went to the waltham camp yeah. cedar hill I work there sometimes. What I'll do is I'll take her to camp one day. I'll take her. One. Nice. I'll stay in the office all day. I'll work. And if the if the flag goes up, she needs rescuing, I'll, I'll pick her up. So I was there the whole day. And I actually expected that to happen. Four right. o'clock, I went out when camp was over. And I said to the camp director, um, Katie, goes, oh, is that the one you told me was super, super shy? And I said, yeah. Look up on that hill right there. We have a little hilly area and the girls kind of hang out there until their buses come um you see the little girl that's leading everyone in song and dance and i'm like oh my god that is Kate. She, yeah yeah i took two minutes today for her to move into that like take charge and whatever so her mom when i told her that like nearly cried uh so needless to say she went the rest of the week on her own um no uh no rescue person required and unfortunately the troop that she was part of after a couple of years disbanded because they couldn't find leaders our volunteer leaders are pivotal pivotal in delivering the ghost that experience however the first i think she was 13 and and that summer her mom said oh don't be thinking you're going to sit around and do nothing what would you like i want you to think of something to do and by then she had a cell phone because i want to make like cell phone cases are so expensive so, and she was very, um, she was very creative. Just her mom, they're graphics and create, creative people, not very, not my mode. So uh, they worked that summer and put together uh, cases by Kate, even online. And that is, she's 23 now. She's a graduate of the University of Maryland. And she's working in that creative space uh, down outside of uh, Washington, D.C. But that business is still intact she's sold in 80 countries and has made tens of thousands of dollars doing that that's so cool both she and her mom credit her very limited i mean it doesn't you don't have to have a 12-year experience in girl scouts to get the benefit so she was in girl scouts roughly two and a half years um and they both attribute her her ability that's when the light switch went on yeah Uh, and they both give a high, high regard and, and attribute her success to her experience in Girl Scouts. And that truly happens every day in That's every beautiful. community that we serve. And it's yeah. just so yeah. empowering. Well, and it makes me, it well, gives me the gooses 
And it makes me feel so satisfied and happy that personally that I decided to take this ride, you know, to the fullest, fullest extent. So. Yeah, it's a purposeful, it's a purposeful pursuit and, and, and ride you've been on. Um, like one kind of element of re- relating to this and sort of a follow-up question, like I coach my, she's now six, uh, six-year-old in soccer, but I have been for like, seems like four seasons now. I think we started at four years old and it was like co-ed and co-ed, like at yeah. four at five. And then when she got to first grade, which was just this past fall, it was, it's first and second grade girls together. Um her and like her friend Quinn, like I coach with, with, with Quinn's dad, like Mila and Quinn, like in a lot of the girls, they just, they, the leaps they took from kindergarten to first grade in soccer, just being amongst, just being amongst themselves, being amongst, you know, fellow girls were huge. And then like, there's some second grade girls that we call them the ringers. They're like unbelievable. And I was talking to one of the parents and I'm like, wow, your daughter's like, like we have a hard time hiding her on the field because she just keeps scoring goals. And like, you should like, yeah, like, you know, two years ago, we weren't sure she was going to play. And then first grade, like she felt more comfortable and she was good. And then she's now she's just like, you know, blossoming. And so that's a bit of, you know, anecdotal kind of experience of mine when like, sort of like you kind of get these, you know, lovely young, um, humans, but young, you know, girls, um, just together in safe space to sort of like develop and grow and, and learn, um, I'm curious, like based on the experience with Katie, but the very many experiences that you that you're familiar with over your 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 long career with Girl Scouts. What's a little bit of the why you're informed why as to why the Girl Scouts environment um, is so conducive to helping young you know girls become young women that you know have you know the confidence to go out and just and thrive and do all the things that they can accomplish in the world, like graduate from the university. Maryland, get it, you know, have a job, but also have a side hustle making tens of thousands of dollars. Like what, you know, what do you attribute that to? Well, first of all, there's plenty of research that suggests that boys and girls learn differently and mm-hmm. they also emotionally mature in different ways. Um, mm-hmm. Boys, there's a lot of com- competition. Um, when, when they involve themselves in sports and like that, it's very competitive. Girls can get there, but typically a girl's competitive spirit is more about her, her team. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. so based mm-hmm. on the differences that girl, the learning styles and just the emotional development, we offer safe haven. So first and foremost, the thing that we tell prospective parents and guardians is this can be a safe place where a girl can experiment and develop her courage, confidence, and character without being judged, being 100% supported. And they ju- and, and by the way, the same is true for boys. They don't need exclusively to separate into the two groups. They get enough co-ed experience by being in, if, if they're in a traditional school, um, mm-hmm. and other ways. But just by offering this added extra, we're the extra spice. Mm-hmm. And the extra sauce that girls need because they thrive in an environment where they get that type of support. And, you know, that's, again, part of the magic. And girls who stay for the, if they can stay for the entire experience, really reach the pinnacle, which is to become an ambassador Girl Scout. A lot of our ambassador Girl Scouts, <clears throat> excuse me, we have a 
bronze, silver, and gold awards in, in Girl Scouts. And the gold award is the pinnacle. That is the highest mm -hmm. level of achievement and recognition that a girl can get. And when you see and hear from a 16, 17-year-old gold award Girl Scout, I am embarrassed that I wasn't anything like that when I was 16 or 17. They are changing the world. They appreciate and recognize that there's a space that they have thrived and they build this confidence to a level that when they're thrust out into the outside world, nothing can chop, you know, can chop or chip away at that. So it's that environment and it's and we're back, by the way, our parent organization, GSUSA, which stands for Girl Scouts of the United States of America, has an, a world recognized research arm. And they yeah. have been doing girl research. We're, we're over 100 years old. They have been doing girl research for 100 years. So we get the benefit. We wouldn't be able to do that on our own. And ours would be really much more regionalized. So they get to do this global research on what, what works for girls and what are the type of programming and, and interests should we add to the mix to continue to be vibrant and, and relevant uh, to girls. Because the girls of today... When I first started Girl Scouting, you know, most of the volunteers were former Girl Scouts. Mm -hmm. And that brings a history. Like the girl already is informed and because and, she's probably gotten dragged to meetings with her mom. Um, yeah. But now that's just with working parents and, you know, COVID and all of the other things that, that wreak havoc on schedules and stuff like that. We have a lot of new blood in Girl mm -hmm. Scouting, which is great because, you know, mm -hmm. they'll learn about the historic aspect of Girl Scouting, but they're the ones that are going to help us push our programs and, and push us to make sure that we're keeping we're keeping pace. But the girl environment, yeah. the safe space, the we're doing everything to develop these programs and everything that we do to make sure that that girl has the highest level of potential and the highest level of support through their uh, grooming them into adulthood. Yeah, that's great. Talk a bit about mental health. Like it's mental health is always paramount and, and always something that is, is I think, you know, in, in my own life, I, there was a period of time where I like, I remember I like would frown upon like the idea of going to therapy. I, spoiler alert, I've since gone to therapy and, and dealt with mental health in a way that's been really beneficial to me in my 30s. But, you know, a bit stubborn, mostly through my 20s until I figured out like, oh, you know what, maybe I should proactively like, you know, look into getting some support on this. You know, there's mental health professionals for a reason. Um, I'm curious, like, was there a catalyzing event? You know, did things just get worse during COVID? Like what, what sort of sparked the, the need to invest more intentionally in, in mental health support? And then what does the mental health support look like? Yeah. So the, um, the catalyst was, again, GSUSA and the research that they were doing. <clears throat> Once the issue of mental health kept cropping up, um, back when, even 10 years ago, there was still a huge stigma. I think we would all agree there's probably some of that left, but now it's almost a badge of, a badge of pride to let someone know, yeah, I was kind of having some trouble, so I sought out some mental health, much like you would go to your general practitioner for an ailment. Mm -hmm. So once they started sharing information with us, and consistently, I would say over a 10-year period, Girls struggle more significantly with mental health issues than boys, at least with the level yeah. of research they did 10 years mm -hmm. ago. And it's still, girls 
have a lot of um, issues that, again, and it comes to, like even in school, um, when it comes to selecting, let's say, mathematics as a course of study, mm -hmm. you know, the response is, oh, that's kind of like boys do that, or engineering, or any of those mm. types of fields. So there's always been this sort of systematic um, uh, lowering the bar for girls when it comes to those, you know, non-traditional, non-female roles as defined 100 years ago. Um, right. So mental health became a very relevant part of our ability to successfully bring a girl through the Girl Scout experience. So we started, not that we didn't take it seriously, but we more formalized our approach to it by developing all kinds of programs. We've just recently, I don't remember them off the top of my head, but we have uh, mental wellness badges that girls can earn. Mm. And that's how secretly we're teaching them about mental health, but making it a fun proposition and demystifying it and destigmatizing that's great so so to, to, to just to jump in there so like is the idea there yeah to de to sort of take away this like the 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 maybe misunderstood like um negative norms that sometimes exist around like you know mental health like in and more like in, in creating like positive reinforcement behind like proactively just working through you know mental health um challenges yeah, yeah. It, that's that's the premise, and what we had to do to support that, so we had to develop programming for the girls, but then we had to train our our, I say facilitators, but I mean our volunteers, the volunteers mm -hmm. who are helping us execute, who have the closest touch point with girls. So yeah. training them, and then we had to train our staff, because yep. our staff are often involved in the appointment of volunteers to Girl Scouts. So mm -hmm. you can raise your hand and say, I want to be a volunteer for Girl Scouts, but then there's a process that you have to go through so that we're comfortable that you're, you'll subscribe to the mission, you'll subscribe to the, to the, to the uh, I'll call it gateway of, of mm -hmm. things that you need to do to be a fully-fledged supportive member. Um, and as evidence, once a year, our senior, any girl who pursues her gold award there's usually a ceremony in May to celebrate the girls. This past May, we had 63 girls achieve their gold award. Only, and just for reference, in the whole of the United States, less than 3% of girls earn their gold award. It's mm. a really arduous process, and you've got to pretty much be, uh, be committed. And it's commitment to that at a time where they're applying for college, you know, they might be working. It's it's challenging. So anyway, 60 girls, 25 of their, they come up with um, an, a problem they want to solve okay, or an idea that they want to spread the news on. <laughs> 25 of the projects that were presented were on mental health. And mm. most of the girls were brave enough to use their own experience to apply to help the audience or to help the folks that are looking at these awards and looking at the result of these awards as a Hell way yeah. to introduce the topic. Like I went through mental health issues and here's what yeah. I'm doing about it. They made educational programs yeah. that are that are supported in schools um, and, and a whole host of things. But when the pendulum has swung, that girls feel confident enough to talk about something which in our entire society has pretty much been yeah. 
stymied. You know, we just we don't we, we never used to talk about those things. Yeah. I would say the 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 silver lining of COVID <clears throat> is it it brought it to a level where we we can no longer not just Roosevelt, the world can no longer ignore the mental health issues that were created and for a lot of people still exist as a result of COVID. It's it's hard yeah. to get a mental health appointment. That's how busy yeah. the folks in that profession are. So, yeah. I'm uh I'm thinking Brene Brown right now. I'm thinking of my Brene Brown parenting manifesto. I'm thinking about her TED talk on vulnerability. And um, you know, it's important, like what Girl Scouts offers is a safe space, because within a safe space, you know, our ability to um, you know, be vulnerable in a safe space is, mm-hmm. is, is it's it's honoring like our it's honoring ourselves and and you know the 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 challenges that that we may face but like and it puts um it puts a opportunity or creates an opportunity for like uh, the community that we're safe within to sort of like you know see us for who we are and also like help support us and 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 bring us you know bring us forward so um no, vulnerability is the word that that comes to mind, and Brene Brown, of course, comes to mind when I think about vulnerability. So that's that's really beautiful, um, and that the 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 mental health sort of um, focus and initiative just to me it seems like um, it, it seems like you've probably naturally supported and positively benefited the mental health of of so many young girls without having what you have now, which is a more concerted sort of intentional effort on it. So. Uh, yeah, like I, I kind of like if I could put an emoji across the screen, it'd be like the applause emoji. Just like that's 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 excellent. Um, in terms of just you know, as we're I'm thinking about the, like the last few things I want to talk to you about, but I want to I'd be remiss not to just ask like, are there any other? It's interesting because like you you kind of put, I would almost um, challenge the one spot I'll challenge you is say you're you're clearly a bit more creative than maybe you would. Um, admit like you were talking about sort of like your niece and her mother and how they're oh, they're cre- like the, there's a lot of really interesting creative ideation and, and thing and then and then you're a person of action you bring it about so i'm curious what are some are there any other things we haven't talked about that are like kind of in ambitious we don't have to hold you to it here uh, but like are there other ambitious like um initiatives that you are already working on you're excited about or that like if you were to sort of like just want to put the signal out to the world because you're like, oh, I would really like so-and-so organization or I would just like to see if this attracts like minds to build this thing. Um, what other things are you seeing in the future for sort of um, Girl Scouts and really Girl Scouts of, of, of the United States, like sort of um, reaching its grandest potential, mm-hmm. you know, as, as, a, as not just a haven for girls to sort of, um, you know, develop but as a, as as really a place for um you know eventually young women to come into the workforce and to come into the into the world and just um uh, give give the world a collective uh um sort of it, ch- the collective change that we more so need when women find themselves in positions of power just it's overall a good thing i have a company i'm working with right now and they have this they have a lot you know that they they could benefit from more women in the executive leadership team and i'm like fight like fighting right now hard to support um some female candidates and that's just like i i'm like in someone asked me like oh like you're really passionate about this i'm like 
Yeah, because generally speaking, like, like guys come in with their egos and they wave them around and like things are less efficient. It's just chaotic. I'm like, I don't know. I've just had a lot of success with like female C-suite. So I just like to see some more. Um, and, and so, you know, convoluted question, I guess, but like, what else are you excited about? Cause I just see like, you know, if, if I'm, I'm sitting, you know, I'm putting my comms consultant, you know, consulting hat on, like, I love the, um, the appropriate sort of like proactive kind of offensive you've been on it, the, the op-ed in the Boston business journal, like you're out there. And, um, you know, I just think for like the future, future, like I'm talking like 20, you know, 25, I'm talking like the future, my daughters, you know, will be adult, you know, young adults. And like, I, I'm hopeful that more women will be in positions of power, um, increasingly at companies that are addressing climate change and the things that really matter so that our generations from now will be good. Um, and Girl Scouts has a truly, um, is, is, is like a really, is like a linchpin in that narrative. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, so just, I don't know if you want to riff off that at all with some of the other ideas and things that, that you have, or just in general, just kind of, um, I don't know, su support, support the notion that like, you know, the, the, the future is brighter with a, with a constantly evolving, you know, growing Girl Scouts. When, when y'all reached out to me to be on the podcast, I like, it was, I oftentimes hesitate, you know, as a trained journalist, I'm inherently skeptical. I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> I was like, yes, like, actually, I want to, I want to know everything. You know, I've, I've, you know, my cousin's a, a, a Eagle Scout and like his kids do Boy Scouts and, and I like, I'm like, oh yeah, like I would, and, and I have girls and I'm like, oh, I want to learn more. I'm like, I probably need to get the girls involved. Like, oh yeah, this is a, you know, this is, that's an organization. That's a nonprofit that's going to help the, the, the future be better. So, um, try not to go in too many ranty riffs but like as we, i had i had to give you that because like i just you know i really appreciated jen on your comms team reaching out and like you taking this time because it's just it's really important work that you're doing it's not just like in this own little vacuum that we're in and you know 2024 like it's it's for the future you know decades and generations that will you know come onto this planet that we hopefully can do a better job taking care of <laughs> Well, I appreciate that as a preview to this. Um, one of the challenges, this is a challenge, uh, and, I, yeah. and I, I know we're making headway, but we are known, we're not known for our diversity, um, mm. either at our staffing level or our volunteer level. This, in some sectors, is still largely viewed as a middle-class white organization. So it's not, you know, in the 20 years I've been here, 20-plus uh, years, that has improved, but our 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 uh, our dynamic, our population dynamic is changing, and mm -hmm. we are slowly becoming not necessarily the preeminent or or majority. Uh, mm -hmm. So we have a lot of efforts under our community engagement. We have a, a group of folks who are uh, charged with community engagement, and that's to make inroads into communities that we believe are underserved and they're largely mm -hmm. underrepresented in society. Um, so that is going to be the key to our future growth. Um, we can continue to, you know, and, and it would be against our, uh, uh long-term success, success to stop taking largely white population. And we do a good job there, but the potential to grow Girl Scouting so that again, every girl has this opportunity is to tackle that. Uh, both mm. in our in our staffing as well as um, in our volunteer corps, because our girl diversity right now we don't look the same as our the level of girl diversity that we have achieved. Uh, but we've got to do better than that. 
because there's huge populations. Again, when I come back to where else are they going to get this type of an experience? It doesn't happen mm -hmm. necessarily in school. And a school, the school experience, depending on where you live, like it or not, is, is different. Um, so this is one experience that is consistent and should be offered. So we will continue to partner. We're, we have a lot of partnerships with um, housing authorities and community groups that are helping us make inroads to that. And that's mm -hmm. going it's, it's to, it's a marathon. It's not something yeah. I wish, you know, snap our fingers and make significant headway there. Uh, so that is something I'm excited about, though, because we have an amazing director of our community engagement efforts. And she has just, her brain is popping open with ideas on how to access, gain access, and entrench ourselves. But one thing we're doing is we are uh, buying a van. Uh, kind of a Winnebago yeah. type thing, and we're going to trick yeah. it out as a mobile STEM unit because in some of those communities, it's mm -hmm. not about inviting them to meet us where we are. Yeah. It's getting our act together mm -hmm. and going where they are because if we yep. can bring that that powerful a representation into those communities, we're going to be able to tap. At, you know, there's language barriers. There's, yeah. there's a hundred barriers, but we're chipping away at them. A lot of our material now is printed in. I believe we're up to five different languages. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, you say, oh, our materials in Spanish. Do you know how many different iterations of Spanish there are in the Boston, just the Boston mm. nucleus area? Tons. So yeah. we have a lot of work to do, but I'm really excited that we are making yeah. inroads and we will get there. And that's yeah. just, that's not just our council dealing with that. Um, breaking that country. stereotype yeah. is, <clears throat> is everyone's job. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited about that. And I'm excited about, like, there is no barrier to how far we'll stretch and reach to divert, to diversify our programming and mm -hmm. add, you know, more to it. Our STEM program, like when I think five years ago, what our STEM programming is to what it is today, it's like in there. So yeah. and STEM is, is limitless. Uh, and yeah. when we can work with all of the partners that we have reached out to um, and make things happen. So I would say that's probably our our most significant challenge and opportunity. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah it, it, right. And any challenge, there is opportunity. And I appreciate you being a bit vulnerable there and like sort of sharing that 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 sort of sort of that diversity element is something it you know it's in in solving that issue and and becoming more representative of this like very multicultural population that we have in the United States will ultimately benefit. Um, girl scouts tremendously because you know it, it won't only mean like more number because it's more like the good majority of people are you know black and brown and and, and all sorts of you know different races um so yeah numbers will be great but also like then just it, it it imagine there's all these extra cultural um diversity kind of positive impacts from um you know young young girls getting to be around people you know girls from you know different different cultures you know for um yeah, that's just like one one of the things. Even for us as parents, was important. Like raise our kid in a public school. Like we were looking at Salem and Beverly. Like we, we that's where we ended up moving to. Like it's a bit more diverse. It's not like my wife's from Lawrence. Like she's half her dad's Puerto Rican. And like we were like we like the idea of just raising our daughters. Like you know they're they are Hispanic and like we want to raise them like where there's like a good multicultural cultural sort of surrounding. And I think 
we're just we're talking about the same thing um talking about as a parent you're talking about as sort of like the seal of, of girl scouts of easter mass i think that's very you know appropriately woke of you um if i were to put it in in my my cool millennial terms um and i guess to to, to segue off of that um and kind of get to the the the, the final question that i'd like to to ask everyone um share with listeners and readers who will read this too um your challenge to them and sort of what what they what they can do what's the one challenge you want to put out to folks well i would like to put a challenge out that everybody seek out a girl whether it's a family member or friend or a neighbor seek out a girl and talk to them learn about what they're doing Find out if they are right for an opportunity like the girls have. From my perspective, every girl, if, if she wants to, is right for the experience of, with Girl Scouts. Um, figure out what they need for support, because sometimes, in spite of best efforts, families, uh, guardians, parents, they're just not in a position to do all. Uh, so augment that. M- uh, mentor. Be a mentor. Um, because what a girl, I, you know, I'm, I'm a uh, um, baby boomer. You're a millennial. What we went through growing up, we had a lot of decisions to make and challenges. Today's girls, it's a completely different environment. There's so mm-hmm. many challenges and, and key decisions that they will make, either they or working in conjunction with a family member, will make that are going to change the course of their life. So be part yeah. of that. There is absolutely, and I'm talking to you from my heart, from my own experience, there is nothing more rewarding on this planet for me. I'm not going to get emotional here, but there's nothing more rewarding than seeing a girl mature and have the benefit of this experience. It, it leads to better job. It leads to maybe expanding their, their vision of what career opportunities are out in front of them. It, Mm-hmm. There's nothing but the experience is great, but the impactfulness of the experience carries into adulthood. When I talk yeah. to women, you know, business women, and they say, oh, I was a Girl Scout, they almost always, almost always say, and that changed the course of my life. So oh, I yeah. want every girl to have every opportunity to have a life, but it takes a village. And it's not just yeah. the parents. And it's maybe not it just the teachers in school. It's not just yeah. Girl Scout troopers. It's building a system of support for girls. And yeah. you can do yeah. whether you have children or not. I don't have children. Um, whether you have children or not, there are girls in your life that you will be a significant support of, supporter of. And you will help define what their pathways are going forward. Beautifully said. That's going to be like we. I do these little notes in my notebook while we talk, and that's that. That your challenge and your rip there's a, that's going to be one of the highlight video clips that we're going to have to create for this this campaign. We'll create a co-branded one <laughs> with Girl Scouts of Easter Mass for you and the in the in the team, uh, Barbara. This has been an absolute pleasure getting to to know you here today. I'm excited for folks and you know the listeners to get to know you as well when we when we get this out in the next couple of weeks. Um, and yeah, thanks for, thanks for being my first guest of 2024. Um, I haven't, haven't interviewed anyone for, for, for a bit of time and, uh, hope, hope, you know, thanks for bearing with me through some convoluted long-winded questions, but you've just been a great gracious guest. Thank you for all the time and thank you for the work you're doing ultimately. Um, 
and I, I, let's let's stay in touch. Um, I've made it my business to get involved in a lot and and discover a lot of cool organizations uh, in Massachusetts. Really, that it, 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 there could be some really interesting collaboration with between them and and and, and Girl Scouts. Um, like one that comes to mind, and it, it, and maybe at some point it even connects with your that community um, kind of leader of yours that's doing all the community building efforts. Um, like I have friends in Lawrence that have a group called Tech for Hood that's doing like, you know, after school computer science, STEM stuff for all kids. And and there's all these like disparate pockets of things kind of happening. And and you're talking, you know, you're near Lowell, you know, we're talking yeah. Lawrence, we're talking very, you know, very diverse, multicultural, you know, communities. Um, and just I'm excited to see what continues to come from Girl Scouts and and who knows, maybe in the future I have I have my own aspirations of having kind of like a Boston Speaks Up sort of summit where it bring a lot of people together because it's a lot of like minds. Um, so I'll certainly keep you posted on that. Um, but but really, you know, for the bottom of my heart, um, thank you for just being here and being present and being authentic and, and vulnerable. Brene Brown would be proud. Um, and uh, your parents certainly, um, you know, can be proud of you and, 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 and the, you know, the woman that you've become. And uh, yeah, th- thanks for everything. Oh, Zach, thanks so much. It's yeah. um, it's having the opportunity to talk about girl scouting, whether it's in print or doing things like this, is helping us spread the word. We really want people to understand and appreciate that Girl Scouts is not your mother's Girl Scouts. Um, it's it's for everyone. And um, I had a blast uh, talking to you today. So <laughs> honored to be your first guest of 2024. I have no doubt I'll be tuning in uh, to see who else you talk to. And a summit would, by nice. the way, I'd be the first one to sign up. I think that would be awesome. Cool. So, I, that's you. my challenge. That's my challenge to you. Right. Come, come there you go. I'll do idea. it. I'm going to hold you to, the, to sign up. All right. Awesome. Well, thanks. Thanks, Barbara. And uh, have a lovely rest of your day. You too. Take care. All right. Cheers, Boston.